Hey there, leader. Today, today is January 22nd, 2022. It's 1, 22, 22, Jim. Happy, Happy New, New Year! Year! <laughs> Woo! Would you put that thing away? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have been at this now for two years. Two years. And 21 episodes, this being the 22nd 22. of 22 Two. on, on January 22. Yeah. That's a lot of 22s. It is. So, uh, Happy New Year, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. And let's hope 22 is as fruitful as 21 and 20 was for us. So, today's episode, we are going to focus on a part two, Hot Shots part two, but instead of Hot Shots, it is Tales from the Trenches. Mm -hmm. We've not done that in a while. Um, and the last time we did this, back 18 months ago, I had a severe cold. And yes, and we had a poor microphone quality due to an audio engineer that has been terminated. We'll never speak of it again. That's right. Our skills have gotten better in the audio department and in many other departments as well. So uh, uh, bear with us now as we begin our third year that makes us juniors. You know, we've got our, we've got our, uh, our, our, our major and uh, we're, we're upperclassmen. Yeah, God. Yeah. Okay, so this day of history, January 22nd, 1998, is the day that Ted Kaczynski, Theodore Kaczynski, also known by his uh, nom de guerre, the mm -hmm. Unabomber, uh, was convicted on all federal charges and sentenced to jail, imprisonment for life with no possibility of parole. Mm. Um, the reason I think this one is appropriate for us this year like what I did there mm -hmm. um, this year is it is a tales from the trench and you and I actually have a uh, a shared acquaintance who yes. was involved in the Unabomber case as an FBI agent yes and from what he said that that was one of the hardest deepest working cases that they've ever done and they spent you know hours and months and years uh, putting that case together and it was working in the trenches so I felt mm -hmm. that was an uh, an applicable Tale from the Trench. Yes, thank yeah. you. Good Lord. It's all right. It's a new year and we're a year older. Um, the, but the fellow, that our coworker who experienced that, experienced that many years ago from the time that we knew him. Yes. And was a uh, certainly, a he would say, a foundational moment, a tale from the trench that made who he was. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So we have tales from the trenches that made us who we were. Tales from the Trenches are experiences, and experience is what you get typically when you don't get what, what you, you want. want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our format for this has been in the past is that we we pick a topic, mm -hmm. one of us tells a story, and then the other one gives the coaching. Mm -hmm. So what do we want to do for our first topic? Well, I think uh, something that would resonate, tell a good story but also apply to what's coming up or has been happening here recently with the great resignation is how to keep employees motivated when the economy has downturned, the company is shutting down, or you are just done with where you're at. So I'm, I'm going to parse that a little bit and say, what do you do when the motivation level for your team plummets, plummets, goes in the toilet. Yeah. Somebody's take, you know, the, and I love the uh, the description. Of, those are mine. The description of that of Randy and I have the same reading glasses. Remember when we started this two years ago? You used to make have, fun of me. I was old. Was, he didn't have reading glasses. Look how you've influenced me, Jim. I, I now would like have, to welcome you to the club. They're readers. They're not glasses. There's a, there's a big just difference. Readers. That's right. It's just a thing. I don't yeah. need them. It's so, out or a flashlight. Yeah. 
Um, so we're going to center right this this tale from the trench around motivation, engagement, whatever description of it you want to use. It was right around the time of a very similar event when in 2009, 2010, the Great Recession, I guess is what they ended up yes. calling it. Because it was the uh, brought on by subprime mortgage lending, which just so happens to be... Where Randy and I worked where together. Where we worked, where this was happening. <laughs> so we may or may not have been responsible yeah, for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you uh, were in a senior level role uh, with our... Uh, with our parent company, and it and it was a difficult time. You want to talk about despair? Mm. I mean, the the stalwarts of of Wall Street were shaken to the core, mm. right? Bear Stearns went down, and the Big Short, by the way, with uh, oh, uh, is the movie with uh, with with uh, that guy, um, uh, Michael Scott, <laughs> Steve Carell. Steve Carell. You're gonna Sorry. get there eventually. Yeah, exactly. I, I should have put my glasses on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Should we have that old conversation? No. Yet? But Steve Carell, The Big Short, that movie accurately portrays. Uh, From your opinion, yeah, sir. Yeah, it does. Okay. Anyway, the, so yeah. the motivation. So imagine as things began to unravel, and nobody was quite sure how bad it would get. Yeah. Things were beginning to unravel. I have a team of uh, information security people and, and other people, and they start to hear the rumblings, mm. right? And then things start happening like we stop lending money, we start shutting branches down, mm -hmm. and you can't, I mean, I suppose you could, but for me, it was difficult to imagine how bad it could get, and it got bad. Mm -hmm. To fast forward towards the end, and if my friend Jack Nichols still listens to this, Jack and I were both, you know, senior vice presidents in this organization. Love Jack. And at one point, he and I were sorting pens <laughs> together. And Jack found my sorting system to be, you know, uh, Neanderthal-like because I was just putting felt tips and ballpoints together. And he, he created the whole new system. But that's how bad it got as we were shutting that office down. What we found was is that I, I found was an immense amount of fear. Mm. Anxiety was the, the the rule of the day. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, people were scrambling for any form of security. Mm -hmm. I, I liken it to when I was a kid, I, I became a lifeguard, and you had to go through lifeguarding training. And they tell you that sometimes if you go to save somebody, they can kill you. Oh, yeah. Right? They'll stand on you, they'll, right. they'll whatever, and you have to punch them. Knock them out. Knock them out. Knock them out. To save them. <laughs> and now I didn't there get, are plenty of people I've hoped were drowning, <laughs> right. just so I could save I didn't them. get to do that in this situation, <laughs> but these were desperate people looking for the. And I've got to tell you, Randy, I struggled. I, I'll, I'll tell you what I did, and then I'd like to get hear your advice on, on what I, I could have done differently or better next time. Mm -hmm. I just was transparent. And I had learned early on in the 90s when I was first a first manager, I had to lay off a bunch of people from my data, data entry group that I had. And they were all single moms. Mm -hmm. And they let me have it. Mm -hmm. You son of a bitch. You and I said, I'm getting laid off two weeks after you. They're just keeping me around long enough to do this. Once they felt that I was in their boat, they felt better about me. They no longer wanted to slash my tires or yeah. have me <laughs> burn you in effigy. Up, right? Yeah. But that was the only thing that I felt I could do was just like, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. If you have contingency plans, 
I wouldn't blame you for using it. Yeah. But I don't know how I, I how or what I could have done better. It still bothers me today that you know, in my position, I wasn't able to lead better in that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're, you've been giving a turd to deliver to someone. You know, I mean, how do you make somebody enjoy that? As my friend Woody Woodruff used to say, when you have to eat a turd burger, don't nibble. <laughs> That's right. Just, just grab just it. Just grab it. Yeah, yeah. Take it's, care of it's it. like slowly peeling a Band-Aid off, right? Just slowly pulling it back instead of just ripping that sucker off. I mean, I, I, I think you did all you could do. There's nothing you, can, you could do to have them keep their job. You were losing your job, and part of your job as manager was to do this last dirty job. And, and- it almost felt like we were in a decaying orbit, mm-hmm. right? You and I both love space stuff. Mm-hmm. And my orbit just happened to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And we weren't sure. Maybe they'll send a shuttle up to, to mm-hmm. retrieve us. Maybe not. It just created a lot of anxiety. A lot. Well, even even when you know you're losing your job, you're still losing your job. And losing your job, you go through the same feelings of grief like you do yeah. when when you lose a person, when you lose an, a pet, when you lose a family member, right? You, Denial. You, uh, yeah, you go through bargaining. the stages of grief. Look, wh- while you were sorting pins, <laughs> I was driving around the country going into branches that literally look like people just left. Literally, still coffee in the coffee room, like coffee stuff in the still coffee, out. Mugs on the food desk. still out, right? And this is several weeks, right? In some cases, months after everybody left. And, and I knew... I was losing my job in nine months. I was given, uh, you know, an incentive package to stick around, to go do this job, to go disposition. To shut things down. To shut things down, give away stuff to nonprofits, that sort of thing. So how do you, how did you stay motivated during that time? Was it just that you had a job? Well, I was thankful I had a job, but here's the thing. I couldn't get a new job, right? Because who's going to, when I when you go in an interview and you say, hey, can you hire me in nine months? Right? Typically, that's not how it works. Right. Especially if you're not if you're in a yeah. if you're in a senior level role, maybe. Right. You can time that a little better. But I was I was an engineer. Right. And I I I couldn't time that. So well, I, I literally had to stick around. There's a thing there that feeds that equation, which is I've got a little bit of a bonus or medium sized bonus coming mm-hmm. if I stay. But continued employment in face of what is happening out there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's real difficult for you. But I, let me ask you this. How did you stay engaged? I mean, it sounds like maybe you wanted to stick around, but how would you recommend that I tried to keep the people that were working there, knowing that any day the axe could fall and they're gone? How would I? How should I have kept them better engaged? Well, part of it has to do with knowing what they want to do. Like, are they spinning their wheels staying here? Are they really wasting their time? Or what can they leverage now in the time they have left towards their betterment? How can yeah. I, so I'm going to read that back to you in a different way, yeah. which is good. Cause I have no idea where what is, what is it of value? What other value can you squeeze out of this job before the end comes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like uh, if you too, all businesses have a trajectory, right? If you're owned by private equity, private equity yeah. wants to get your business to a certain point and, and then sell they are it. gone. Right. Exactly. What is that Zenith? What is that trajectory? You Good know? use of the word zenith and, and the whole space time. I know. Well, See, it tied in very well. Um, I'm motivated because there's big Saturn V rockets sitting on the sitting on the desk with us. But companies 
have a trajectory, have a plan, that sort of thing. And people so do too. People. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you think about what are, what do your individual people have? You know, one of the first things I do when I take over a team, I just did this recently with the team that I took over is what's your trajectory? So, well, and I like that, but what you're saying is in, in, in a moment of dark trajectory, poor trajectory, right? Or, or poor uh, orbital degradation, uh-huh. finding them an individual trajectory that isn't necessarily tied to the, their employment. Hey, maybe you should do some training while you're here. Exactly. I don't really need you to work eight hours. I need you to work four. Spend the other four getting a CCI, CCI, yeah. CISSP. Good Lord. It's CCIE, okay. I almost said. Oh, okay. But that's okay CISSP too. CISSP or whatever it is. Yeah, one of those other acronyms that yeah. we just make up and put on With our lots of <laughs> Credit card engineering guy. That's right. But but that's that's the key. I, I think there there can be there can be many motivators, M-I-N-I, not many, M-A-N-Y, but many motivators that can keep you engaged when you're in an orbital decline with your job or Biden time. You know, you look at the great resignation to tie this back into today. Uh, in 2021, a lot of people have resigned. Well, guess what? A lot of people have already re- have resigned but haven't signed out. They're waiting for the bonus. They're resigned in place. They exactly. They haven't told anyone. They, they're sticking around. They're waiting for the bonus to pay out, which in most places, you know, that typically pays out at, towards the end of the first quarter. But there's people sitting, maybe even listening right now, that are sitting in that position. And Randy, I, this is something that I've learned recently. Motivation is broken into two parts. And if you've got a, a you know, a popsicle or a ice cream sandwich if you guys could see how well he uses his hands right it's just with the glasses like (laughs) i I wish we did video for this i do not yeah (laughs) where are your hands the the, the ice cream sandwich the very small portion of that ice cream sandwich sandwich is external motivation right so it's it's the money it's the don't get fired it's the you know get a raise or whatever Mm -hmm. it is the rest of it is that intrinsic motivation right which is is mastery, autonomy, and, and engagement, and, and a sense of purpose. Yeah. What we find is that in this great resignation, you we are tempted as leaders to pull the external motivators, the external incentives, more than we are the internal incentives. Mm-hmm. So I'm over here, and, and you mentioned this saying, you know, how do I alter your personal trajectory? We'll get back to that in a second. Mm-hmm. But I'm over here going, oh, please, you know, Bob, don't quit. Here's more money. And that is only the first third or first quarter of that ice cream sandwich motivation. What I really need to do is make sure that that part is taken care of. And then I've got to get to what you just said. What's my personal trajectory? Do I believe in what we do here? Yeah. You know, and am I going, am I on a path to be really good at this? Am I a master of what I do? Am I autonomous in the actions I take? That's when they're engaged. And a great resignation be damned. Yeah, they're not going to go anywhere if they feel those things because they're motivated and engaged. Well, it's hard to do. Well, it's but it, it but it, it's hard to do, but it's true. And here's the thing: right now, most most jobs out there, particularly cybersecurity jobs, like they're all paying really well. Like you can go get a really good job; it's going to pay really well. So, so pay isn't necessarily going to be the big factor. The factor is. What satisfaction? How does this job help me accomplish my personal goals? And and when you come to it, you say, okay, this is who we are as a company. This is who you are as a person. And this is where you're going. How can we leverage the two things for as long as we can? Yes. Until such time as, you know what, it's probably, you should start looking. And that's yeah. okay, yeah. right? 
congruence between person and company is exactly what you're looking for yeah. to keep them motivated and engaged through something like the great um, recession or the great resignation. If you rely on those external motivating factors, you know, the fear of not getting fired, pff, good luck yeah, with that one, right. or, you know, the carrot, it only goes so far. You're right. They're going to get the carrot and then they're going to go. Yeah. You, dear leader, right? The people we're, we're talking to, hi, mom, <laughs> um, really have to focus on engaging that internal motivation. Make them the master of what they do. You don't have to make them, but give them the opportunity to try and achieve mastery. I used to be kind of good at what I used to do. I've gotten better. Now I'm a really good router guy. Now I'm a really mm-hmm. good firewall guy, right? And then autonomy. As they build that mastery, you say, I'm going to give you more autonomy. Call you, call me if you need me. Those of you who have ever worked with situational leadership will understand that as a situation changes, there's a level of competence that's a factor in it. And mm-hmm. if their competence is good, you back away. You go being from directive to coaching to delegating, mm-hmm. right? You you, you step you, back a little. You step yeah, yeah. back. Yeah. And that's exactly you as a leader want to do. Yeah. It's growing them. And, and I'm going to say something that seems cliche or a LinkedIn meme. Leaders don't grow followers. They grow leaders. Mm-hmm. A leader leaves in his wake people that can lead, and they learn from them. And that autonomy, mastery, that engagement, that's a big part of that motivation. Well, the greatest compliment for you as a leader is for you to be able to step away and your team still function. I I do want to bring us back to the tales of the trenches, Randy. So it's your turn. Something around motivation. um, I'd love to hear a story of, you know, you as a leader, where'd you struggle? And how can I, how can I help? (laughs) Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm listening. <laughs> That's right. I'm listening. Uh, welcome to Seattle. Um, I think um, I've struggled several times as a leader with my engagement. Uh, in fact, even even um, uh, in my fairly recent uh, career path, I struggled with motivation. You know, I went through a period where I knew, um, you know, my time here is short, right? Um and it was coming to an end, and uh, my leader had been uh, had been let go, and I knew, eh, no matter what, how this ends, it doesn't end well for me. So I had to begin thinking about what I might do, right? What what would be next for me? And in the interim, you still have to stay motivated, still got to do a job, even though you know the job's not valuable because the company's like let go that particular core function or that particular core leader. So you had to stay motivated. You still got a, you still got a job to do. You still got a team to lead. When you say you had to stay motivated, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? So you had to stay motivated for the people that were watching you, the people around you, or you felt you had to stay motivated. Otherwise you wouldn't live up to what you felt you needed. Well, I, I felt like I had to stay motivated for the people around me, even though they weren't my direct reports, right? They were in a period of, discontent as well because we all lost our leader and we didn't know what would happen and it was clear not everyone was going to be there because there's no way that they would need uh duplicate groups doing you know people go through the same thing when they go through m&a's right right. if if you're on the winning or losing side of the m&a and we've been on both sides of that right Uh, yeah the the word merger yeah (laughs) i used to say there are no losers but there are losers yeah there are yeah (laughs) but but i i think part of it too is is this is where you, your true 
grit, gumption? Do you really believe in the stuff that you, you talk about as a leader? And to show up, even though you know um, this has a zenith on it, this has a timetable on it, it's going to end pretty soon. Um, and then not just throw it all away, yeah. right? To say there's still value in showing up. There's still value in building relationships. And just because your job is currently coming to an end at the particular company you are, realizing that's not the end of it. The per- it comes back to identity, too, realizing I'm, I'm a person you know, you're to do supposed what I to do. tell me the scenario, oh, and I'm sorry. supposed to give the coaching, but you're doing a great job. Sorry. Well, no, no. I, uh, and I've said all that. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Well, I, I, uh, I, I'm trying to be cautious and careful with, with, uh, with names and places because I don't want to uh, inadvertently offend anyone either. But I like to use the name Kevin whenever I want <laughs> when I want to depict somebody as a villain. You know, it, in a situation like that, do you find yourself? You know, it, it's difficult because it'd be easy to vilify the organization. Yeah, it'd be easy to lean into the, I don't know the. The, the gossip and the, the bad talk, right? And because you feel a camaraderie of, oh, we're getting screwed and everything yeah, yeah, else yeah. is bad. You know, our leader's gone and this company doesn't care. How do you recommend a leader in a situation like that becomes a beacon of hope, right? Because, and I know this is going to sound a little bit cheesy, but hope's important. Hmm. People want to believe that there's something more, better. Yeah. That good days are coming. Yeah. There's a good Ted Lasso quote for those who are listening. You know, it's something along the lines of I'm get it wrong, but fairy tales don't start in the dark forest, nor do they end there. Yeah. And so when you're in the dark forest, how do you as a leader say it's going to get better? You how gotta, do you model that? You got to know yourself it's going to get better. You don't know how, you know. I mean, some of that comes back to the hope, where's your faith in things, right? Where's your identity? Like, my identity was not rooted in that logo that let me go. Right. My identity was not rooted in the stupid decisions that some of those executives made to, to make that down change. Double subprime mortgage. Exactly, right? My, my, I think synthetic CDOs are really <laughs> yeah. going to make a big turn. But th- this goes, I-, I think, ties into two, is knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and knowing how you're going to get there. A lot of people don't know the first thing, let alone the other two. Your job as a leader is maybe to try to help push, put those things together for them. I just had a one-on-one with a, with a, a wonderful person uh, this week. Was it me? No. Uh, <laughs> I said I wonderful. You know, <laughs> sorry. No, it was, it, I had a, a wonderful one-on-one this week. And the person said, well, I just asked my boss, Randy, what is it that you're going to have me do? And I said, that, dear young leader, is the wrong question. What's the right question? The right question is, I want to do this. It's not a question. It's a statement. statement. And the problem is, is people don't know what they want to do. They're looking for other people to tell them what they should do, to tell them who they should be. Right? You, and I, you and I had a conversation, actually, it was about a year ago, and it was actually engendered by a conversation I had with one of my mentees, we'll call her Kay. Kay said to me, you know, sometimes I don't want to speak because I'm afraid. Mm. I'm afraid. Anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, if not you, then who? And if not now, 
know them when. Yeah. And you said to me that day when I, I remember we're sitting on your porch, you said, I'm afraid if I don't speak up, what will happen? Mm. Far more than if I open my mouth and people think I'm an idiot or stupid or whatever it is. Yeah. And that has stuck with me ever since. And I think that applies with what you were just saying. Mm. If you don't ask the question, if you don't say it, they'll create the narrative for you. Right. Well, there is a narrative that forms in a vacuum, which is why you want to make sure that you fill that narrative with the narrative that that you want it to be. And here's the thing, leaders, as you are working with your directs and you have those one-on-one conversations and you need to have them and you say, what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm. And they don't have an answer. I don't know. Randy, what do you tell them? Um, I will offer them advice. Like, it's like, well, if you don't know, I could tell you what you're good at. I could tell you what, what I see your strengths as being. Right. And we could wrap that up. I love Strength Finder. I, I do it uh, with everybody that I meet. That, that strength Finder me. for all your needs. That's right. Yeah. Sixty nine ninety five Amazon. <laughs> no, it's it's we real do not cheap. get any money. From no, <laughs> it's forty nine ninety nine. It's worth every penny, and I would gladly pay it to have somebody take it. But anyway, um, it it's very helpful because it helps re in re re. Uh, <laughs> what I think what you're trying to say is it gives them direction to take control of their narrative. Here's yeah. what I'm good at. Here's what I'm right. And this aligns. What I think you're saying, and I'm putting words in your mouth, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're telling them is, is that you need to figure it out. It's exactly yeah. what your talk about that one-on-one was. Is yeah. You shouldn't be asking a question. You should be telling it. Yeah. And if you can't, seek help to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, because your identity is your identity. And if you're taking it from someone else, you're always going to have that written by someone else. It's not yours. Right. Stop letting other people write your narrative, you know. And that's that's the thing. When when you come up to a job or you're making a job change, you make the job change. Don't don't have it forced upon you. And you as a leader, and, you know, this being a leadership podcast, focusing on enabling the people that we we lead and we mentor and we coach Mm -hmm. to get them to go there. Make Mm -hmm. it, you know... One of the things that I've I've looked at recently is creating a safe space, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot more anxiety. No touching, no touching yeah, in this space. Yeah. Show me Six the doll feet. where he touches. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, my bad. Um, but one of the things about our society in the past, you know, 10, 15 years, 20 years, is anxiety is much more than it used to be. Yeah. Right? And in the past three years with COVID and everything else, anxiety has risen to unseen heights. Dealing with that anxiety and getting people to, to really take control of their narrative. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. It's your life. You have a right to have an opinion. You have a right to say, I want to be the, insert whatever it is. Yeah. I want to be the senior ice cream guy yeah. at Dairy Queen. You've got a right to say that. And the business will have a trajectory to get you there. And if not... Maybe there's another ice cream place that you can get that. Yes. Right? And and you as a leader, you have to sit there and try and bring that out of them. Mm-hmm. And say, what do you want to be? Well, I want to be the I want to be the best, you know. Well, to, to bring that home. Ice cream person. You know, once you connect those dots, you can go through a bump. You can go through a downturn in the economy. You can go through a, a blip. You can go through a tough time. And... Because you know their trajectory now, they know where they're going. You're like, hey, this is okay. 
because for the next six months, this aligns with what you wanted to do anyway. So let's, let's figure, let's ride it out for six months and then figure it out. Had a conversation with another fellow not too long ago at work, right? And, and it's really a three-year plan and, uh, that he's got to get to where he wants to be. And, uh, we've gone through a year and a half together and, uh, he, he was a little unmotivated recently. And I'm like, no, no, look, look at your trajectory. You're on the path. You know, this is just a rough time right here in the middle. You just got to wait out. We're in the out dark forest. Quarter. Yeah. Give it another quarter. Give it another sunrise. And, and we're going to come out the other side. This fairy tale does not end in the dark forest, my friend. No, no. And it, and it, it, it won't end poorly. Well, Randy, we have run a little bit longer. You are quite loquacious. Uh, I went to the Ohio State University. I know words. Yeah. What? Why would you make fun of me like that? Uh, <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift to our, our listeners. That's right. I'm going to look up what loquacious is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had tacos. I don't know why I'm so loquacious. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, leader, happy new year to you. Happy new year. Welcome to 2022. We're going to have uh, a year's worth of, uh, of ramblings for you. We would love your feedback. Please give us uh, topics of your choice. Give us scenarios of your choice. We would love to share with them or even have you on as a guest uh, speaker on our, on our podcast. But uh, with that said, we've spoken enough. Jim, happy new year to you. Happy new year, Randall. I'm glad to be still doing life with you. Absolutely. And you out there. You guys keep leading. Cut.